Love Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 23 of the official Redbird Rant podcast. I am Michael Miles, the knucklehead, media knucklehead, joined by three other knuckleheads from FS Redbird Ranch. You can find us on Twitter, redbirdranch.com, where we talk all things St. Louis Cardinals. We're a fan-sided sports blog, and I'm joined tonight by knucklehead Tito Rivera, Tito, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm digging this knucklehead thing, so maybe we should change our name to FS Redbird Grants Knuckleheads. I, I could see or that FS happening. I mean, I, I'm FS Knuckleheads. Well, we should requisition that for sure. Yeah. And uh, Tito, we are joined by another knucklehead, Josh McDonald. Josh, how are you? Mm-hmm. I, I I resent being called a knucklehead. Um, I try very hard to uh, just be a dummy. I I stick there. Uh, well, you know, I, I'll say this for you: you are not in the media, so you're just a blogger. So you can I'm, be a dummy I'm just blogger. Well, <laughs> well, the the rest you of media knuckleheads. knuckleheads. Well, that that's it. That's it right there. And then, guys, uh, Tito, Josh, we are joined by yet another knucklehead from Redbird Rants, Christian Suzuki. Christian, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm sure as heck loving that knucklehead name. Uh, it'll, it sure would go with uh, that uh, Larry's article on uh, Wayno becoming a knuckleball pitcher. So, I mean, who knows if we saw that? <laughs> oh, that is fantastic, Christian. That's just great. So. We are knuckleheads, but maybe Wayno will turn into a knuckleballer. Ooh, I'm liking where this is going. All right. Well, it's welcome destiny. to a uh, – I'm telling you, it is destiny. It is, it's going to happen. <laughs> well, to anyone who is listening to us live, we want to say thanks so much for that. We are trying out, and actually not really trying out, we are doing an entirely new format with our podcast, starting with this episode, episode number 23. We are doing a roundtable format. So once we get started, we will really not have anybody who serves as the host. We will each take turns on serving as the host to bring up topics that we want to talk about and then you know, toss that idea, roll it around the table. But we also put out a call for any comments or questions or topic ideas from our, our readers. We're going to get to that here in just a second. But we also wanted to dedicate the first 15 minutes of our show tonight, which, by the way, our typical broadcasts, our typical podcasts are one hour. But we have condensed this down, gone to one episode per week, and we have extended that episode to be 90 minutes long. So 90 minutes, something great to listen to if you have a long commute, download it, get it from iTunes, wherever you find your podcast, and listen to us. You'll have 90 minutes of us in your ears of these knuckleheads talking. So here's what we're going to do. First things first, 
check to see if we have any reader comments or questions. And on Twitter, there actually was one. While I pull that one up, uh, I'm going to ask Tito if you'll pull up any that are from Facebook. And I will tell you that one of ours, one of the comments that we received was, if you can't beat the Padres, you don't deserve to make it to the playoffs. Let's roll that around, guys. I mean, to be fair, he does have a point. It's uh, the Padres are one of those teams I wrote about earlier, uh, like a week ago, I'd say. The Padres were, I mean, it is an important series, but it's also one of those series that should have been like a breather for the Cardinals, that they shouldn't have had to worry about as much. And now all of a sudden, they're really worrying about it. And it's, it really brings up a lot of questions as to the consistency and like the real merit of this team in terms of getting into the playoffs and sustaining consistent play over, I don't know, whatever, five, seven games. To me, the Padres aren't, they're not even playing with the full team that they played with this entire year. They, they sent down their home run leader in Hunter Renfro and they're playing out there with guys I've never heard of. And that says a lot because I like I like baseball far too much, and I pay attention to way too much of it. And if the Padres are tossing out guys that I've never heard of, that's that's pretty embarrassing for the Cardinals to struggle to even win this series. They go out there against these, I'm going to say trash pitchers, what they do all the time, and you go into it saying, man, this is a guy that the Cardinals can get after. They never get after those guys. It's insane to me. I don't understand it's and it's not even just of late. This is a issue that we've had for years now. Soft tossers, average lefties, these guys mow down the Cardinals and then you look at our bullpen and dumpster fire doesn't even begin to describe it in my opinion. I think there's a couple ways to look at this. You know, first would be, you know, this is it's it's baseball. I mean some days you have it and some days you don't. But at the at the same time, you know, you guys are both right on the money. It's the Padres, and it's, you know, one of the worst teams in the NL, probably, you know, second worst team in the NL. And the Cardinals should be handling, you know, this team fairly easily. But as, you know, we're, you, know you can see tonight, they're about to, you know, go into the bottom of the fourth inning or, or fourth inning, ninth inning, down four to two. And... It just it's like you guys say, where's the consistency? Where is the fire? You know, we've been talking about it all year. Where is the urgency to win? You see the bullpen give up more runs after Trevor Rosenthal's injury. You know, I said it today in, a, in an earlier piece, you know, or a, even yesterday. Where is John Mosellock and Mike Gersh on, this, on the hunt for a bullpen arm? It's got to happen if this team is going to compete. You can't give up games to the teams like the Padres, especially when the Cubs lose or when the Brewers even lose. You cannot continue to do that. Josh? All right. I was, you also need to look at the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. The Cardinals aren't out of that either. They need to keep pace with them. And I, I'm going to second Tito. Gersh and Moe are talking about this team picking a direction. We've heard this all season, and we haven't gotten anywhere. They made no serious moves at the deadline, and then right after they go on this this magnificent run 
and then they revert back to who they are. Now, if they're trying to compete, what are they doing? They could. They took way too long to bring up Luke Weaver, who showed last night he deserves me in the rotation. If that's the only thing they're going to do, they're clearly just don't care about the gear. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really where the crux is because we wouldn't be having this conversation about the Padres being able to take two of three from the Cardinals if, in fact, the score holds through the bottom of the ninth. You know, we wouldn't have those conversations if this organization had selected this direction that they keep talking about. If they had decided to, you know, as we talked about before the trade deadline, either become buyers or sellers. And I think that everything would be different. I mean, our entire conversation tonight would be completely different if the Cardinals had decided to become sellers and had decided at that point that, hey, if the Padres beat us, so be it. But we're going to sell off and we're going to let some of our prospects come up, uh, which, by the way, is kind of what the Padres are doing, right? I mean, like you, like you guys all pointed out, they sent their greatest home run hitter down to the minors and they're playing guys that we don't know who they are. And those guys, are, they've got nothing to lose. I mean, these were conversations that we were having prior to the 31st of July. So, Tito, let's go over to you. Uh, anything over on the Facebook side? Actually, not this time. Um, we didn't really get much of a response. And so I, I think one question that I think I'll ask for the entire group just to, to keep the conversation going is, you know, we look at this eight-game win streak, and we see now that the Cardinals are on the verge of losing four of their last six games. Um, what's that tell you? What what is what does that tell you guys? I mean, to me, it tells me at the end of the day, the Cardinals are the team that we thought we they were. They are the team that has been as inconsistent as always throughout the year who struggled to pile up any sort of winning momentum. I mean, this team has just been very inconsistent. It's been, it's been a really big trade of theirs. And I mean, you can't change, you can't change a tiger stripes at the end of the day. And that's just what this team is showing. I think this team, they, we talked about it in a previous podcast, right after the trade deadline, everyone kind of got comfortable because they knew they weren't going anywhere. But now I think everyone got complacent because they were winning. And then once they started losing, there was no change in demeanor, no change in attitude. So you're not going to get anywhere unless you are extremely competitive and have a fire to win. And I haven't seen a fire to win in this team in two years. I haven't seen any excitement outside of the guys who are labeled as like the fun guys, the intense guys, as Carlos Martinez, Dexter Fowler, Tommy Pham, the outgoing guys. Everybody else on this team is essentially like plain white bread to me. You know, that's – Josh, I think that's really inter- interesting to me. And I want to follow up with that again a little bit later. You know, so put a pin in that, if you will, because I'd really love to hear who you think – took the energy with them when they left. You know, that, that's the sort of thing I want us to talk about a little bit later. So help me remember that. But to your question, Tito, I really want to echo what Christian said. I mean, the tiger has stripes. 
You know, I mean, I, I think we're seeing exactly the frustration that we were feeling early on in the season and through the middle of the season and post-trade deadline. I think we're seeing this, this club that has no leadership. And, because, and the reason I say that is if there were true leadership there, and, and maybe that has to do with Matheny, maybe that has to do with the player leaders, but if there were true leadership there, I mean, the leadership kind of slaps you around when you get into something like this. And they, they sort of say, get your act together. Um, and, and we're not seeing that because we're seeing this up and down all throughout the season. And I think that's something that, you know, if I had to give the label of knuckleheads, I, I'd put it on them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I find that interesting, actually, because, you know, you, if you recall – you know, during their Cincinnati trip before they went on that massive uh, eight-game win streak, they did, you know, the players had a meeting only, uh, just them, and, you know, the supposed leaders on the team, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, you know, they called that meeting to say, hey, get your act act together, kind of, you know, like in 2011 before they went on and uh, made it into the playoffs that year. And so... I don't think that the Cardinals don't have good leadership. I think there are good leaders. I think it comes down to that the fact that the Cardinals have average pieces, and that's why you have an average team. They don't have anybody that is, you know, they don't have a lot of above-average pieces. You know, Molina certainly is an above-average. Dexter Fowler at this point is definitely above-average, and, and Paul DeYoung is – you know, above average, you know, and I guess you can make a uh, a case for Colton Wong too. But outside of that, nobody really has done anything to make you say, hey, you know, we've got a great team. So I think what we're seeing, much, you know, much like you guys are all saying is, is that we are who we thought they were. Yeah, I'd like to follow up. I think that's a great point. Um, I think that a big thing is, even if the Cardinals had never had that big time star at some point, for, for a long time they've always had that guy, the Matt Holliday, the Lance Berkman. They might not have been good, but they have that experience. They have the, the credit and the pedigree behind them. But this year, I mean, we didn't – I think no one has before this season hit more than like 31 home runs in a year. There's no real pedigree or experience behind that. And I think as a result, Matheny just has no idea how to handle the, the lineup. I mean, you go through lot, like the season, there are just so many lineup changes, just people getting shifted around, moved around, in and out. I mean, look at today. You got uh, Yorko at first and Garcia, j- just to play Garcia. What, after you send down someone who's clearly better in Voight, there's just no, oh, that was a good home run. But there's just no, like, sense in those moves. I don't see the direction that you're t- that they were supposedly talking about. They're sort of I wanna, teeter-tottering between. I, no, yeah. don't say it, John. I want to jo- jump in real quick and just talk about uh-huh. who just hit that uh, home run, actually. <laughs> uh, can we who not? Who hit that home run, Tito? Okay, what has he done in the, next, in the, fir- uh, the previous five games? Hey man, what has this entire team done in the previous five games? No. Don't you single it out for you. I'll do it again. Hey, it wasn't a terrible thing either, man. It wasn't terrible. 
it was a nice, it was a pretty decent fastball on outside corner. I mean, or an hey, outside edge. I actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hop away from Gritchick because I know I don't want this to get derailed, but I'm going to hop towards um, something that Christian just said. Matt Carpenter's out today. That's I I understand you have to make adjustments because and but why is Jerko playing first and Garcia playing third? I understand you sent down Luke Voigt. Why is Jose Martinez not in this lineup? That makes zero sense to me. You have all these outfielders right now and Jose seems to be the one who's getting the short end of the stick and never playing. But he has first base experience this year, and he's shown that he's one of the competent bats we have. Why is he not playing today or yesterday? Easy. Easy. Matheny. I think that you're right, though, Josh. I am furious about that, and I am so glad someone brought that up. Can't you tell that I'm really impassioned about this? (laughs) Martinez, someone I've written a lot about at Redbird Ranch, somebody I really like. Um, I, I like him as a ball player, and I really like him as a person. I've, I've interviewed him in person. He's a, a really great guy, very open, loves the game, and deserves the right to be in there playing, especially in these games. If Carpenter's down, Martinez has got to be the guy that's there. And, and listen, guys, you know it's got to be real for me to be saying that, especially when I'm picking Martinez over Greg Garcia, who, you know, I'm a Greg Garcia apologist. If Josh is in love with Grichik and a Grichik apologist, that then by nature makes me, you know, I hate to say it, in love with uh, the scrappiness of Greg Garcia. But I have to say, I would far rather see Jed Jerko over at third. He makes no sense to me at first when we have the likes of Martinez on the bench. So I'm with you, Josh. It, unless, unless anybody has a, a continue this, I'd like to actually throw out a topic here. Go for it. Nothing? All right, cool. Our, yeah, go. Uh, he, he just flew out to center field. Are the Cardinals stunting Carson Kelly's growth right now? <laughs> what, what do you expect? That, that's though? great. let that, that's great, and let me also add just quickly while you talk about that. That's actually one of the questions we got from a, a reader at G S Animus, and I hope I'm saying that right. At G S A N I M U S, sent us that very question. You know, will Carson play more next year? And also, uh, I'll come back to the second piece of their the, the, his or her tweet. Um, by the way, they're tagline there is waiting for hockey so uh but absolutely let's <laughs> let's go with that because um you know what will carson kelly play are we, are we stunting him i i just i don't know what people were expecting with whenever carson kelly came up I, i'm sorry like i i understand he's the number one catching prospect and he needs to play and blah 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 but can you really justify that over how Yadier Molina has been playing at this point? He's been, you know, easily the, you know, the most consistent offensive player for the Cardinals this year. How can you possibly worry about Carson Kelly getting, you know, playing time? I, I just don't see it. I don't understand it. Like, and I, and I mean, I do, I guess, in a way, because I know that he, you know, people are concerned that his bats can go cold and, you know, he's not getting the playing time he deserves. But, again, would you rather have Carson Kelly 
backing up Yadier Molina or Eric Fryer? With the amount they play, Fryer, why why did we start Carson Kelly's clock? Why are we letting him sit on the bench and waste time where he could be getting every day at bats and at least keeping in a rhythm? I think that when he came up, Yadier was not on this hot streak, and he did go on this hot streak, which made it a little harder. But I had intended in my head for Carson Kelly to play at minimum once a week, but more than likely twice a week, to spell Yachty because he's not a young man. And he's signed for three years. And if he's intending to catch all three of those years, he's going to need rest. So I assumed Carson Kelly was going to be at least getting one, potentially two times a week. But there's weeks when we don't even see him outside of pinch hitting anymore. And I think that really, I mean, it's part of the problem with how he's been hitting. I mean, you can't really hit the ball very well. I mean, hitting a baseball is one of the hardest things to do, and it's a, one of the hardest things to time. So hitting, like, you got to have a rhythm. you got to have time out there to really settle yourself in. If you're going to sit him, give, like, give him a short stint, you know, let him experience the major league life. You know, things, I mean, things are a lot different in major leagues compared to AAA, I would imagine. So you just let him experience that. Let him go under Yachty's wing, sort of understand what you need to do to keep yourself healthy, keep yourself in shape, you know, keep yourself rested and fresh over the course of the season, and then send him back down to the minors and give him the best he deserves. But if you want to play him, then actually play him. Yeah, and I I was going to go a step farther. Uh, I think that – I, I think his real value was lost when we passed the trade deadline. And I, I wasn't really willing to see him go necessarily. But if this is how they were going to use Carson Kelly, I would have rather they traded him away and get some value out of him because I'm not certain that we're getting any value. And I'm beginning to think we may be losing value. All right. Just real quick, I want to say I think that this team has settled in on Carson being the catcher of the future because they know how rare it is to find a solid catcher. And there's not another one showing up in the minors and teams aren't going to be letting go of good catchers. So I think they're basically accepting the fact that they have to hold on to him until Yachty's done. Whether that, that means he actually gets to play is another question. I will say this, Tyler O'Neill used to be a former catcher. Just going to throw that out there. Oh, very interesting. Let's come back to that. Uh, what we're going to do is let's take a little break. When we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines again. If anyone would like to join us, the call-in number is area code 917-932-1739 to join episode number 23 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. Just give us a ring, and we'll put you on the air with us. You can ask our guys – I'm sorry. You can ask our knuckleheads their opinion on anything related to St. Louis Cardinals. And when we come back from the break, we will talk about – the little piece that Tito just mentioned about Tyler O'Neill. So stick with us. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Ranch podcast, episode number 23. We have four of the knuckleheads from Redbird Ranch. That's right. This is the knucklehead edition. Thanks to one at Uncle Charlie 50. And we are so excited to have a new format starting with this episode of Roundtable. And, guys, I just want to tell you, it really feels like we're putting in a lot of energy in this one, and it feels really good. 
Yeah, okay. I think well, so. you I mean, all certainly agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Start yeah, silence. I, that's, that was fantastic to put those cricket sound effects right there in that middle moment. So, again, let, let's just share with our listeners, if anyone's out there listening to us live, the call-in number is 917-932-1739. Feel free to join us. Feel free to tweet at us at FS Redbird Rants or to send us a comment or message on Facebook. Find us by searching Redbird Rants. Before the break, Tito, you sort of teased a little something about Tyler O'Neill. Would you go back to that and then maybe take us into, um, you know, what that means to you? I mean, what was your question about? What were you sort of teasing about Tyler O'Neill? Yeah, you know, we we were just talking about the con, you know the concept of of Carson Kelly being on the team and not really seeing playing time, and uh, when whenever the Tyler O'Neill trade went down, um, I found an interesting little bit of information, and that was that Tyler O'Neill used to be a former catcher, and um, and, and you know that. He raised a little bit of an eyebrow because, you know, you know, there's still time for him to learn and it's not like he would be learning, you know, all, you know, learning from gra- from the ground. He already knows what's going on as a catcher. So, you know, he would just be having to to refresh and and get back on uh behind the plate. So, I found it interesting because there was a thought in my head that maybe the Cardinals would actually end up trade, trading Carson Kelly because of Tyler O'Neill and his uh, history as a former catcher. Do I did I think it was actually going to happen? No, and obviously nothing ended up happening. But that doesn't mean that it still can't happen in the off season. Um, and unless I'm mistaken, you know, O'Neill has been in the outfield. He's done very well. You know, he's shown his power that he's known for. Um, but it, it certainly raises a, a thought, I think. Um, I don't I, – I think that it's an interesting thought, but I think you can look at Carson Kelly as an example of why it's a bad idea because basically – Carson Kelly made the switch to catch back to catcher a while back. And that was not promising at first. He wasn't hitting, his defense was bad. It took him, I believe, like two years to really be effective. And I don't think that the team would be willing to do that with Tyler O'Neill because of where he is right now, being that he's in triple A and so close to the majors. And I think that would set them back quite a bit. And he I really don't think he could start out doing it in AAA, I think he would have to go down to get some reps in, with a lower class. I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting thought. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's quite time to give up on Carson Kelly yet. Uh, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, he played 70 or so games, had 245 at-bats or so, and he was hitting 283. I mean, he has power. He has all the tools that we need. I mean, it's just a matter of managing him properly. I think that, I mean, O'Neal is young, but right now he's, I mean, he's still just hitting 238. He's still trying to sort of find his, his rhythm in the box. So I think before we 
decide to make him go from outfield back to catcher and change all that. We should focus on actually getting him ready for the league first. I think that the thing that's very interesting about this, and let me tell you, my, my answer to your question is no. No, I, I don't think Tyler O'Neill, Tyler O'Neill should be a catcher. I don't think they should experiment with it. I, mean, I think the answer is just flat out no. I do think the interesting part about Carson Kelly and the playing time that he's seen, I, I feel like if the club was really invested in making the playoffs, like they really thought they could. And by the way, that's, an, that's another thing I want us to talk about tonight is I, I'm not convinced that they believe that they can. And I think my point is if they really believe they had a, a snowflake's chance, you know, if they were really in this, if they were – leading the division, I think we may see a greater amount of playing time out of Kelly. Uh, I think that if push came to shove, you'd probably get Matheny to say that he has a bit of concern that he may have Yachty go down at some point, you know, with injury. I mean, certainly he already hinted that he felt like Yachty was tired, you know, and we saw all the backlash that got. I mean, what a knucklehead thing to say. But I just I, – I think that – the amount of playing time that Carson Kelly is experiencing or the lack thereof is predicated sort of on where they stand right now in terms of the likelihood of going to the postseason. Okay. So what does that mean for his future? Well, I, he is learning from Yadier by sitting there on the bench and by going through pregame and game planning. And maybe that's the piece of his development that he really needed more of was the game planning, not so much the execution. And, yes, we all know that his bat has gone a little stale. Um, and that, as you all have well pointed out, just takes some time. But I, I think that we'll see the real development happen in the offseason with Carson Kelly. I don't think they give up on him, uh, not now at least, not that they've already made the decision to keep him. Th- that decision should have been made before the, all, uh, before the trade deadline. So in terms to answer your question, I, I don't think that there's much value in Tyler O'Neill even considering becoming a catcher. Uh, I, I think we ride out the Carson Kelly thing and we ride out and find out what happens with uh, Molina, how well he continues to catch. And to be quite honest, we could see something happen with some heavy movement from Matt Carpenter in the off season. And then, Hey, Yachty may, you know, first base may be a place that he plays a little more frequently. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Matt Carpenter is going anywhere. I think if they would have moved him, they should have done it at the trade deadline. And much to your point, though, because that's where his value would have been for teams such as the Yankees or even Boston, as uh, they were kind of searching for a, you know, a third baseman or an infielder. My thing, again, I'll go back to it, is that, when you have somebody like Yadier Molina and you sign him to a contract extension, it's going to be very difficult to justify any playing time for Carson Kelly. And I know, you know, Josh said it, and then why is he up here? Well, he's got nothing left to prove in AAA. We know he can hit the ball if given the opportunity. He's solid defensively. And maybe it's to your point, Dr. Miles, that he just has the, the other development that he needs is that is the pregame planning and, and just watching it and seeing what happens. I mean, and you have to also think maybe 
Carson Kelly's there to also get familiar with uh, the young guys uh, or uh, the pitching staff that's there right now that's going to be there for, you know, after well well after Molina's gone. Um, and, you know, you could argue then why isn't he, you know, starting with those guys. Again, you're not going to replace Molina with Carson Kelly or Carson Kelly with – or Molina with Carson Kelly. It's not going to happen, um, and especially the way that Molina's playing right now. To your point, Tito, about the relationships, um, I don't think Carson would ever be able to develop the relationship that Yachty has with Carlos Martinez. But if we're talking about him, we're talking about him building relationships with other pitchers. Wouldn't it make sense for him to be spending time in AAA with the until now Luke Weaver, Jack Flaherty, bring up? Dakota Hudson, the real future, because when you look at this this team's rotation, Wainwright, uh, Lance Lynn's looking like he, he's potentially on his way out. Reyes isn't pitching this year. So he would potentially really be connected more with the future if he was in Memphis working with those young guys. Yeah, and that's a good point. But again, I, I I just don't think he has anything to prove in in AAA anymore. And I I just I don't know. It's it's a difficult situation. But I again I'll I'll, I'll go back on and say that Eric, you know, I would rather have Carson Kelly than Eric Fryer behind, backing up Yachty. Well, and that would be my answer. That. that would that would certainly be my answer too. Is that yes, I would want Carson Kelly over Eric Fryer, and I like Eric Fryer a lot too. But l- let me respond quickly, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Christian. Um, I wanted to respond to what Josh said about if he were down in Memphis with the future. I think that relation, those relationships, will be developed. The ones that he's missing out on, like he he, I don't know if he's ever caught Jack Flaherty. I don't know that he's ever caught Dakota. But that's one of those things that we could probably look it up and see. I'll probably just write an article without ever looking it up because that seems to be my MO right now. So Adam Wainwright can point it out. But <laughs> I, I I feel like the relationships with the future pitchers for the Cardinals, that's something that will come during spring training when pitchers and catchers report. I don't think that's something they're really worried about. I, I still think that his existence in St. Louis right now is because – they want him to be like the Yoda that Yachty is. That was very difficult to say in spring training. And they want him to pick that up and be more of um, not so much the surrogate, but more of the person who will carry on and carry the flame that Yachty has. That's what I take away from him being there more so than the playing time. Sorry, Christian. Oh, uh, to go back to that. I mean, I definitely agree. I think that, that, playing time or that just off field time and that routine time is very, very valuable. But at the same time, uh, you do have to worry about wasting his time as Josh mentioned earlier and getting closer and closer to his arbitration. I mean, for a guy like Kelly that we almost in a sense, we're in a bind in a sense, we don't really have a lot of catcher prospects outside of him like naturally. So we sort of in a sense need to keep him going around and develop him. We don't want to waste any of that time. That's a fair point. I mean, yeah, you and Josh make a fair point on his on his uh, MLB clock. I just think that 
it's obvious the Cardinals don't necessarily care that much about it or else they wouldn't have brought him up, in my opinion. No, I was just going to agree with all of you about the clock, especially with you, Tito. I, I don't think they care. I, and I think that may be influenced by the fact of what, like what Christian, what you said, that we don't really have any other prospects. Um, you know, maybe they're looking down the line at some of the AAA catchers elsewhere or the AA catchers elsewhere and saying, hey, we could pick up one of those guys as prospects. I mean, uh, Alberto Rosario is the one who's catching primarily down in, in Memphis. He does a serviceable job. You know, I don't think he, he calls that great of a game, but it, it seems to be working out fine for them. Um, so I, I kind of I agree with you, Tito. I think it's I don't know that they care about his clock right now. Now, I, I would like to uh, kind of tie this whole idea of Carson Kelly and the erratic playing time to the idea that I don't think the Cardinals, even though they've said that they have some sort of direction, I think that one of the biggest problems with them this season is that they really don't have the direction. Like, I'd like to take tonight's Padres game, for example. If you're going to go for the playoffs, first off, in a high-leverage situation, you're going to try and keep things as consistent as possible. You had Brebia, who came in last couple of nights. You have O, who had come in, pitched moderately, like they had done their thing. So why is it that you would suddenly insert some like Tui, first off, into that situation? There's point one. That's a sign that, you know, they're trying to build for the future. But yet, he gives up a couple of hits. And instead of writing him out, letting him take that hard knock, you know, like the hard lesson, you suddenly put in Zach Duke with no outs, man on second and third. So suddenly you're trying very desperately to win the game. He gives up a hit, and you just continue to switch over and over. So there's just no real structure, no real direction. And I think that really correlates to a lot of the inconsistencies of the players. But what do you guys think? I, I was actually at the first game of the series, and it felt very similar to me because I felt like they had a plan, they brought their guys in, and then when there was an issue, they went to Zach Duke. And I think going to Zach Duke in and of itself in a high-leverage situation is so odd. While he he's a veteran and he has a lot of innings under his belt in his career, he also isn't that far off from being on the disabled list from Tommy John. If this was a guy who had been on the team all year, maybe, but I think they're putting too much leverage on him, and I think that's because losing Rosenthal basically made this bullpen fall into shambles. No one has a role now, and they don't know what to do. Okay, I was going to say, I mean, I think Josh pretty much summed it up just, you know, in that last bit right there that losing Rosenthal was the worst thing that could have happened to this bullpen because – of the order and structure that he provided knowing that he was going to get the ball in the ninth inning and everybody else would fall in line before him. And I'll be honest, Christian, I mean, you've probably noticed it. I know everybody else has noticed it, but Matheny's bullpen management has been so God awful the entire time he's been the Cardinals manager. I honestly, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's just so pathetic that it it hurts. It hurts the team. It hurts to watch. And every single time 
the Cardinals get in a bind and it's be, and the bullpen gives up the lead, who do we go to? Well, Matheny put this person in. So uh, again, uh, I just you know what when it comes to when it comes to you know influencing some guys or being you know talking the guy up, maybe Matheny is a good person to do that. But in-game strategy has always been a problem for him, and especially the bullpen. And, you know, him not having a structure in order is just, that just, again, speaks to the volume of how incompetent he is when it comes to bullpen management. And sure, I can say that from a chair, but it's just the I am going to say that, that, you know what, the thing that strikes me is when we ask the question, we talk about that the bullpen doesn't know their direction. You know, like they don't know it. And the first thing that came to my mind is, well, is it that the players don't know it or that their manager doesn't know it? And then, Tweedo, you gave me the, the perfect <laughs> thing there that, you know what, I think that when you say the line, Matheny is incompetent at bullpen management, I think you can stop after the word incompetent. And uh, I've you know, I, I don't like know. Right I up. think he's incompetent at the major league level. I, I you know what when when the Cardinals did the, the minor league game with Pittsburgh, there were so many tweets about leaving Matheny in Little League because he's very competent at little league management, but we're seeing the incompetence or ineptitude, if you will, if that's a little kinder of a phrase. But, you know, that that's really what where I'm left with. I, I don't know that it's that the bullpen doesn't know their roles. I mean, certainly they don't. But I think that they don't because of who's handing out the roles or lack thereof. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, at the end of the day, it is on Matheny, especially with – I mean, Brevia did not play – these pitches have not pitched horribly. And there are a couple of pitches that have not pitched horribly in specific spots yet Matheny refuses to keep them in those specific spots, for like Brevia in the late, O in the 7th or 8th, and they're just constantly getting shuffled around. My theory is, or a theory that I just thought of, is that the fact that his predecessor, Matheny's, was Tony Larusa, the pressure of, you know, upholding that, one of the things that Larusa was known for was being a very great at being a quick-fire the bullpen he was good at just switching things on a dot and it's almost like Matheny is trying to be La Russa. I, I yeah. can see that I can see him doing like a uh, trying too hard to emulate the past because of the success but I do agree with Dr. Miles and it's been how it's been since 2012 and we haven't seen any development or improvement in Matheny's ability to let ju- I'm going to keep it to managing a bullpen because there's a lot of things you can point out, <laughs> but we haven't seen enough for him to show that he has that ability. And I, I've, I've wanted to believe in the guy for a long time, but it's, it's, it's getting to a point where it's just like, if we're, if we stay on this path, we're going to see three years without the playoffs. We that something has to change. And as a side note, I would really like to know what 
Montgomery down in Memphis has him or his family done to the Matheny's for him or the Mosaliacs for him to not be on the roster right now? I don't know, man. I, I, maybe it's because his name is Mike. I know. I, I truly don't know, but at the same time, how do you even know he's going to use him in the right role? I mean, it's, it just, it, it's just a very, it's a very frustrating situation because, uh, and Christian, you kind of hit on it, you know, Sung Juan Oh gets removed as the closer. He uses him in the seventh and eighth inning and he rips off, you know, nine straight innings of scoreless ball. And then he gets shuffled back into the ninth inning and then it falls apart again. <laughs> I'm just like, come on, you knew where the success was the first time. Why are you doing this to yourself? And again, it just I just go back to it and I, and and I'll keep saying it, you know. I I'll never trust Mike Matheny with bullpen management and unfortunately that's just that's just going to be how it is from now on until he's the manager cuz you know, they said it earlier this year, Bill DeWitt is not going to fire him. There's there are there is no reason in DeWitt's mind to fire Matheny at this point. No reason. Just out of curiosity, uh, Tito, would you trust Matheny with real estate investment? <laughs> um, honestly, no. I wouldn't really trust anybody that I don't know. So, but would you trust me? I mean, and shut up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> And listen, I, I brought that up kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, I mean, part of the reason that you wouldn't trust Matheny with real estate investment is because he has shown no success with real estate investment. <laughs> and yet we're going to continue to trust in him for – and I'll go with what you guys said. I'll just stick with that. We're going to continue to trust in him for bullpen management, and yet we haven't seen the success. And I guess that leads to your point, or more to your point, is, is when he initially got hired is that he's never been a manager before. You know, there was no success to go off of, so how do we know he's going to be a, a good manager? And, you know, I guess we're kind of seeing the the totality, <laughs> eclipse joke, uh, of this, of this uh, experiment at this point. Well, guys, I'll jump well, in I'm here. Gonna... Uh, going back to our going back to our our reader, GS Animus. He actually asked that he or she. Sorry, don't want to just assume it's a male. They asked the question of, <clears throat> "Is Yadier Molina the MVP of the St. Louis Cardinals for 2017?" So let's ask no. that question and also put it out there. If if your answer is no, hang on there, quick fire. If your answer is no, who is? And you are not allowed, Josh, to say Grichik. Yes, he is, because I want him he's to, the, so I can make fun of him. <laughs> Grichik's the MVP of my heart, not the MVP of this team. <laughs> oh. Well, keep going. Who but, is your MVP? Uh, then? Mine's, mine's Tommy Pham. He might be in a slump right now, but he's been a consistent contributor for this team and has given them a spark. Uh, I I think that you have to look at the numbers he's put up after originally being considered not good enough for this team to come up and just mash the way he did and play great defense, all the while being 
moved on and off the bench for the rotating outfielders that we have had all, all season. He has continued to be successful. He's in a slump right now. That's going to happen. But I don't see how you can look at his stats and not think he's near the top. And the only other person that I would say is right there as a very close to number one is Paul DeYoung, who has put up put together a very, very good rookie season and would normally be considered in the running for rookie of the year if it wasn't for the masher in L.A. and Cody Bellinger, who already took the rookie of the year title before the first half was over. He's slotted in the, in the three-hole right now with 20 home runs and nearly a 300 average. That's pretty darn good, and he's not playing bad defense. So those those two are my up are ahead of Molina for me. I mean, I definitely have to agree with that. Honestly, at the end of the day, when you look at it, the power has been what's been lacking for the Cardinals, and those are the, really the two guys that have provided that consistent pop and the hitting. I mean, three hundred five with on pace for twenty home runs, or and Paul DeYoung is two ninety four on which already twenty home runs. I mean, it's. There's not much more you can ask, considering that no, uh, no other player on the team has, is going to reach either mark. I mean, you can't. You, I mean, you could say that Molina's spark really gave them a, a jump in that nine-game streak, but over a totality of the season, I would say that you'd have to give it to Sam based off of consistency. I like your Eclipse joke too. Um... Is Molina the MVP of the 2017 St. Louis Cardinals? No. Statistically, you know, he is, you know, he's up there. I mean, he has 15 home runs, so only five back of DeYoung. He's got, uh, I think, a, a 280 average right now. That's, you know, that's right on par with what he has been doing over the last couple of seasons. Um, so you you can make an argument for Yadier Molina because of the other intangibles that, you know, we, you know, we've kind of mentioned before about the relationship with pitchers, handling the pitching staff, you know, calling games. I mean, he, he is the guy, he is our leader, but I would say, I honestly think the MVP has actually been Paul DeYoung over Tommy Pham and Molina. You have to look at what this kid has done as a rookie, um, not really expected to do too much, comes in, as Josh mentioned, hits, you know, just a shade under 300, hits 20 home runs. You know, this kid had a lot of expectations just thrown on him, and he's taken it uh, by the horns and, and really ran with it. And to me, he's had more of an impact than Tommy Pham has, um, only slightly, a little bit um, because Tommy Pham, you know, he has been great and his attitude has been something that people admire. Um, but I think Paul DeYoung has just had a little bit better of a season um, and is a little bit more complete player. And so that's why I would say he's my MVP. And I would actually go a different direction, you guys. I don't disagree with anything that any of you said. I think those are all fantastic comments and I am inclined to believe them. 
I'm going to go a little different angle. I think the MVP for the season, <clears throat> for the 2017 season, is Lance Lynn for many reasons. One, for just the outstanding ability he's shown on the mound. But number two, he's the most valuable player because the trade deadline and the movement for the Cardinals hinged completely off of Lance Lynn. And it's starting to look like the offseason is equally going to hinge on Lance Lynn, thus making him the most valuable player. So perhaps not the one who contributed the most necessarily, although he did. I mean, his starts have been great. The, the fire that he's had there. I mean, he and Carlos Martinez were pushing one another to be better with each start. But I really think his value came into the fact that he was the linchpin for the trade deadline for the Cardinals. They chose to not have him go somewhere. And by doing so, they also, either from putting too much focus on Lance Lynn or not enough focus, ended up doing nothing else. So that he to me is the most valuable player of 2017. I'm going to go off on the record here and say you took that question way differently than the rest of us. Well, yeah, that's because I'm a knucklehead. Yeah, that that's fair. I mean, you're not wrong when you say that Lynn has the most value probably to the Cardinals. Um because of what he could bring in, what could he could have brought in during the trade deadline, and what he could mean for the Cardinals in the future, and that's something I talked about in one of my, you know, in my three-part series of Lance Lynn, is that if the Cardinals sign him, they're going to end up dealing some of these young pitchers they have for some some big league talent and that true three hitter that they need. So yeah, in terms of value, yeah, he could he pre, he pretty much is um, the MVP, quote unquote, for the Cardinals. Um, but be a little bit more realistic, Doctor Miles. Give us a better MVP than that. You know, if I had to go Dang. with a better MVP Dang. other than, other than than that, I'm going to agree with you guys. I think the MVP is is Paul DeYoung. I bet right now. I think the MVP, you know, a couple of weeks ago was Tommy Pham. So I, I agree with you. So if I had to pick, but then, hey, if we're going to go that route, we got to say uh, go a couple months ago and it's Jed Jerko. So maybe the MVP for me is the inconsistency that we don't have an MVP. You know, I don't know. I don't even know if that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm going to have you guys change gears now because I'm going to take over because, well, I'm clearly the best at this. Um, <clears throat> Saturday, uh, Saturday, there's for the boys. still a question. Saturdays are for the boys. Um, there's, still, <laughs> there's still a very big question mark of who's going to start. We've heard Mike Leak is still an option, which I don't know. I cringe when I hear that. There's something clearly wrong with them, but – there's also John Gantz who got pushed back to Sunday. People think is an option for him to go. And then there's Jack Flaherty. I want to know who you guys think is going to do it. And I want to know who you think should do it Two very different answers. Ooh. Mm. I'll, 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 I'll start because I actually wrote about Mike Leake and the decision or the pending decision. 
you know, Josh, you, you mentioned it. Mike Leake hasn't been the same pitcher that he was, you know, early April and in May, or at least the beginning and, and pretty much through the month of May. And, you know, I wrote, you know, since May 29th, Mike Leake has a 5.78 ERA. And that's not good. That's not good enough to win games. That's not good enough for this team. And that's certainly not good enough to get us into the playoffs. Um, you know, at, at one point in the summer, early summer, he said that he was feeling fatigued, that he didn't have as much strength. And, and that kind of concerns me because he's a young kid. I mean, he's a young guy. There's no reason for him to be, con, you know, you know, fatigued or losing strength. He should be, you know, he should be uh, good to go every single week after his five days of rest. So if he's having these troubles still and if he's still fatigued, then Mike Leake needs to kind of suck it up and say, hey, I cannot go this weekend. Give me a, give me a more rest, and I'll be good to go another day. And if that's the case, then I, I think, you know, based on what Mike Leake has said, because he said if the Cardinals do skip him, he's not going to be happy about it. I, for some reason, I think he will start. I think he's going to start on Saturday, but I don't think he should. Based on the on the recent performances that he's given, I, I truly think, and I would love to see this happen, I, I really want to see Jack Flaherty get a chance. And that's not to say that he's going to stay with the Cardinals because we know he won't. But, you know, if this kid goes out and throws a, a seven innings, no earned runs, you know, racks up six, seven strikeouts. Hey, that's great. You win a ball game while you're doing it, and maybe you take a look at him again. But, you know, I, I just I think I have a gut feeling that Mike Leake is going to start, but I would rather see uh, Jack Flaherty take that start on Saturday. You know, I'm going to look like a copycat here, but uh, I, I think I agree on both counts. Um Matheny, to me, is not someone who is very uh, – he's not a big risk taker. He, he usually kind of sticks with the players that he likes, and he sticks with the players that he wants to play, like that he's sort of comfortable playing. So I, I just see Leak just going out as he normally would. But I would really like to see Flaherty go. The dude has nothing to prove in AAA. He's part of a staff that's – given up what like something like a ridiculous number of runs less than all the other PCL teams. I mean, it's not like the minor league team is going to miss him or anything. They have so many arms there. There's nothing left for him to do. He's ready. So, I mean, with Leak struggling so much, I mean, at the end of the day, we paid him, but Mike Leak is Mike Leak. He had that one great year. That was more of an anomaly in my eyes. He's still just Mike Leak. And I think that Flaherty just has a much greater upside both in the game on Saturday and in general. Yeah, and I, and I tell you what, I love the I love the statement of we paid Mike Leake, and you know, but Mike Leake is Mike Leake. If you guys remember too, we paid Mike Leake as sort of a consolation prize, and you know he he's had some great times and some not great times, but listen. I'm I'm like you, Christian. I don't want to be a copycat, but he's going to pitch on Saturday, and he shouldn't, but he's going to. And 
I would love to see Jack Flaherty come up and pitch. I don't know that's going to happen. And I think John Gant may actually be the one who could get it if it's not Mike Leake. I don't really understand why, other than the fact that they've already pushed his start back or considering pushing it back, and he's on the same start that Leak would be on, and so on, so on, so on. That doesn't make it right. And that's what keeps frustrating me about this year's team, this year's management from the organizational side. We make some knucklehead ideas and plans that just don't make any sense. So I, I'm there with you guys. I think that you, you've got you've got nothing to lose to have him come up and pitch one game. I mean, hell, they did that to Mike Mike Mayers, Mike, however we say his name, and let him take the, a solid loss, you know, last year and balloon his ERA. And maybe that's why they don't want to do it. Maybe they don't think he can come up and have better success. I, you know, I just think with where we sit right now that it's it, stupid not to, but they will be stupid not to. That's my prediction. I'm going to go different, and it's not just because I don't want to be a copycat. I do think that they realize that Mike Leake is, there's something wrong there, and I think that, you know, Rob Manfred said that he is worried teams are abusing that 10-day DL. They absolutely are. Of course they should. And the Cardinals need to do it right now. Ten days on the DL, retroactive for Mike Leake, is not the worst thing in the world. Give him some time to rest. It's, there's still plenty of season left. I think we're going to see John Gant on Saturday. I, I think that they have already made the precautionary move of pushing his start from Saturday. I think he's going to be the one to do it. I I think that they're going to have brought up Ryan Sheriff and then they're going to send him right back down because they're going to bring Gant up. This little, like, rotation we have going with Memphis right now makes no sense to me. But I do think it's going to be John Gant, and it's terribly disappointing to me because Jack Flaherty has shown that he could be a phenomenal addition to this team. I don't expect him to come up here and be a world beater and continue his incredible stats on the year. But what does the guy have to do? I mean, between double A and triple A this year, the guy's got a 2.13 ERA, a 1.02 whip, 144 Ks and 143 and two thirds innings. The guy has been awesome. Let's reward him. It's about time he gets that opportunity. I mean, in, See what he has because he's the future. Him with Luke Weaver, Dakota Hudson, Alex Reyes, these guys are the future. And clearly this team needs to embrace the future a little bit more because the present is ugly. Is John Gant on the 40-man roster, Josh? You remember? Yeah, we saw we saw him earlier this year. Okay. So he would make the most sense because then the, uh, you know, the Cardinals don't have to start Jack Flaherty's clock. So I, I could t- totally see John Gant getting the start. But, again, I think, Josh, you actually put it best with all his, you know, Flaherty stats that this is a kid who deserves a chance to show what he can do at the major league level, albeit it will be against a weakened Tampa Bay Rays, but it's still at the major league level. You can't take that away from it. So it it would be very nice to see Jack Flaherty. But uh, like I said, I I truly think 
Mike Leake is going to start on Saturday. Um, and, you know, I, I do want to make this one last point, and I'll toss it over to whoever whoever's next. But as I mentioned earlier, if Mike Leake isn't going to say that he's hurt, then management needs to grow a pair and say, you know what, we appreciate your feedback. We're still going to go this way. You get your rest and help us get to the playoffs. Sack up. That's all you have to do. Management needs to take control of this team and say it and say it like that. We need you for the playoffs. Do not bring us down. And I, I, I think that's a really, really <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Miles. Go ahead. Hey, I was going to say I think that's a really great point place for us to take another break. Really, really wonderful. I think we all do agree with you, Tweedo. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us. This is episode 23 Tweedo. of the official Redbird Rants podcast. You're listening to <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back right after the break. And we're back. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to episode number 23 of the official Redbird Rants podcast in our new format, our new 90-minute show, our new roundtable format, all happening in one great, great episode. A lot of great things going on, a lot of great questions that we're tossing out in roundtable format. <clears throat> so uh, let's start off this last, last third of our show, and I just want to talk this out there. Is this team going to the playoffs? elaborate on that um i don't see this team being able to make the playoffs for one simple reason consistency and that's something you have to have this team has put together spurts that kept them in the race and they've been blessed that the two teams out west that were dominating the wild card have come back down to them and the cubs have never really taken off and the Brewers have come back down a little bit. But they've never once taken advantage outside of that eight-game win streak. And all that did was really put them in a tie for first place for less than 24 hours, and then everything went back to normal. This team doesn't have the consistency or the talent right now, to me, to be able to make the playoffs. I will say this. I do believe that if this team was 100% healthy, that this team would be absolutely a playoff contender for me. But they're not. And I will say that being 100% healthy does include Alex Reyes because he might not be in the rotation, but with Trevor Rosenthal going down, you can't tell me Alex Reyes wouldn't look real nice in that closer's role. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you, honestly. Um, there is – I mean, we saw with the nine-game win streak, they just cannot, like, garner any sort of momentum whatsoever. I mean, can't – especially – I mean, we're falling behind the Brewers now. That's just in itself sort of – it's almost symbolic more than anything. It's, of like, it's just not our year. And you've got to really sort of look at what this team is, where we are, and think, you know, is making the playoffs a good thing? 
And honestly, I don't know if it is. I think that this might be a year. The Cardinals have never been a soft or a hard rebuild team, but maybe a soft retooling is in order here. Christian, if you ever say that making the playoffs is a bad thing ever again, I will personally find you and slap you. The, <laughs> the This is the thing. Are they a playoff team right now? No, because their starting pitching isn't allowing them to be a playoff team. I, I truly think if the starting pitching was – was healthy and was it was throwing at full capacity. Yes, this is a this is a playoff team, but they're they're just not there. The bullpen's not there, and and now way now because of Trevor Rosenthal going down, there's no way this team can manage to weather this storm unless they go out and get a solid guy in the back end of the bullpen. There's no way the Cardinals can rely on any of the guys in the bullpen right now to close out games. And they're going to need it. They're going to need that. They're not going to blow out every single team. They need somebody to step up and, and close out games. And when you're going to be facing the Brewers and the Cubs, uh, they I think both teams, you know, they played the, each other, those teams seven times apiece towards the end of the season. There are going to be games where you have to get saves. And they don't have anybody to do that right now. So unless they go out and get a Zach Britton or somebody that is going to close those games, there's no way this team is a playoff team because they're not going to outscore every team, you know, by four plus runs every game. It's just not going to happen. I'd like to go on the record by saying that I agree with Christian. If this team makes the playoffs, it's a bad thing. I'm going to slap you. Sorry, Tito. (laughs) I I know you will, and I'm not scared of you. Um, You should be. Josh Josh has seen what I can do. No comment. That's between between you and and Josh. Uh, I will will tell you that the reason I agree with Christian is because, and I think I've said this probably far too many times, but I think the team needs to avoid the playoffs so that the inconsistencies and the bad decisions and the bad management, all of those things can be highlighted. And I feel like if they make the playoffs, then all that kind of gets excused. And they, you know, the powers that be can say, well, we suffered through it and they fought back and look at how we uh, reignited. And, and we, we basically were the 2011 team again or the 2016. No, no, you're not. And you're not because of the poor leadership and you're not because of the inconsistencies and you're not for all these many, many reasons that I think it's swept under the rug if, in fact, it becomes an issue of, hey, look, we did it. That's just my take. That argument sounds exactly like the Randall Gritchick argument that Josh and I had. Just going to say that. Let's not bring me into this because I'm about to remotely agree with you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to say that I agree with Tito when I when he says making the playoffs is never a bad thing, especially from a, fran- a fan's perspective, because 
that's what the goal is to make the playoffs yeah. and see what happens from there because the playoffs are a crapshoot. So, but to your point, Dr. Miles and you, Christian, yes, not making the playoffs would ignite change, but not being in the playoffs and being a middling team does not lead to that much change because being average doesn't exactly inspire our front office and ownership to make a big move like firing Matheny. And it also does not get you good draft picks. It look at what the Cubs did. They're where they are right now because they sucked for a long time and they got to bring in very, very, very good draft picks. And you see it all over their team right now. That's why they're good. So teams that sit around and get dra- get to draft like 15, 16, those aren't where you get the world beaters. Those aren't where you get the stars. You have to really be bad and tank to make real big changes. Yeah, I, I would agree. Sorry, I, I'd like to make No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I would agree only – if the actual goal in my eyes was to make the playoffs, the goal in my eyes is to win it all at the end of the day. The goal in my you eyes have is to make the playoffs. The Cardinals do that. are a team at some point. I agree with that, but I, I look at this team and I just don't see the team, a team with the desire, with the heart or the talent to make a world series run. Now, when you look back at the team's, that have really made those big runs. Even the, uh, the the team that came back at the very end barely won 86-whatever games. There was a lot of talent still on that team. We still had several 30 home run hitters. We still had Albert Pujols. We still had all these great pitchers. We still had – and there was a fire. There was something there. There was a never-give-up, a never-die attitude that was built in through, like, the veterans – and there was just something about that team that you just never thought the game was over. But in my eyes, that is not the case with this team. It's the complete opposite where, <clears throat> look, I've watched a lot of bad teams in sports over the years. And there's a feeling with, these, with certain teams that's just no matter how far you are, no matter how well you're doing, there's always the, when's it going to start again? When is the bad streak going to start? And I think that this is one of those teams in my eyes. So I think that we would be, as fans, better suited to prepare for the future and a World Series team as opposed to just trying to make the playoffs or get slapped in the first or second round by a team that's just clearly superior. Christian, I'd actually like to just make one quick comment about what you're saying about, like, the the 2011 team, um, what that team had was uh, Chris Carpenter and Albert Poole. That's what the team is the They don't have Molina. a single person. I'm, I'm talking attitude-wise. Oh. Yadier Molina was phenomenal, but Chris Carpenter was a bulldog, and he kept that team in an angry mood and wanting to do better. You could see it on his face. I mean, the guy was scary, and it was great. And Albert Pujols, superstars can do a lot for a team. This team does not have one. I'm, I don't know. I, I just 
I agree with what Josh just said. I think the 2011 team, uh, completely different makeup than this team, and nobody should really be comparing them because at the end of the day, you also had Tony La Russa um, managing the team and not Mike Matheny. Um, this, the only thing that that I would say about missing the playoffs that could be a good thing is it would just, again, be another focal point on firing Mike Matheny. It won't happen, though, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Um, and I truly don't think even if the Cardinals made the playoffs that it would cover up anything that has happened because I think a lot of the media and not us bloggers would probably hold Matheny accountable for a lot of the mistakes he's had, and they'll probably say this is more of a fluke than anything else. And if the Cardinals do make the playoffs, it it probably is a fluke more than anything else. Um, and I, you know, I I think if the Cardinals have the chance to make the playoffs, I think that the front office should go for it. And I don't. I kind of disagree with what you're saying, Christian. Though I I think the Cardinals can play with the other teams in the National League if given the opportunity. They'll get some rest. They'll be able to go. I, I truly think they can. I think they're the only team in the NL Central that can beat the Cubs consistently. I think th- I, they may not have the pitching of the Nationals or the lineup, but. I they have they can play them. They played them well early in the season. And I think, you know, obviously barring Martinez's start on Sunday night baseball against the Nationals, they played the Nationals well at Bush. So I, I truly think they can handle some of these bigger teams if they are playing consistent baseball. And that's the hardest thing to do at this point in the season when everybody's tired and that's why they call it the dog days of summer. So, again, they're not a playoff team right now, but if they start picking up and get healthy and play consistent baseball, they can make a run. And I I will defend that every single day. But it starts with them. They have to to play for themselves, if anything. Okay. So, guys, we have 10 minutes left. What's something that we haven't covered? What's left? (laughs) Oh, pick me, pick me. (laughs) Go ahead, Tweedo. I want so by the way, to... before you do, let me say this. I, I do want to interrupt. Josh, I want to go back to just something very quickly because I think you've sold the team short when you said that there's not a superstar on this team, and I, I'm very disappointed you did not claim Randall Gritchick to be the superstar of the team. So <laughs> just want to put that out there. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed it, in you. It's coming. It's coming. you got to give him time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Star in the making. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so, Tweedo, what what's left? Oh, the the only thing that we could possibly talk about for the next ten minutes is why Adam Wainwright called you out. We can't we can't not uh, talk about this. Amazing, oh, absolutely. <laughs> we can't. We just can't not talk about it. I, I mean, can't believe we let, almost forgot. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like. Let's let's go ahead, Doctor Miles. You you just give us the rundown of of what all happened, because I want I want everybody to understand at the end of this is that 
we are not media. We're bloggers. We write for fun. But a lot of our information comes from the media, and I'll explain a little later. But go ahead, Dr. Miles. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the immediate you know, diving in point is, you know, for those who don't know, we as a group talk very regularly with each other uh, throughout the day. And we have a Twitter group that we communicate using, and we share stories, and we see what what's popular and what's rolling around out there. And one of the things that came up right after Wainwright went down was also simultaneously Trevor Rosenthal went down. And then there was the, the report surfaced that Wainwright was experiencing issues that were similar to the times before when he had Tommy John and but when he couldn't even open a soda can or a soda bottle. I don't remember the exact one, so don't quote me on that because he'll, he'll attack me for it. But when we read all of these things and we read some pieces from Derek Gould and we read some pieces from Rosenthal, not Trevor Rosenthal, but Ken Rosenthal and other things that were circulating, it was very easy to read into that. Hey, there's a pretty strong possibility here that Adam Wainwright may be on the same railroad that he was on before when he ended up having to have Tommy John. So I wrote a piece which was heavily speculative because that's what we do as bloggers. I was not reporting the news. I was simply sharing my thoughts. I used the word if. Now, I did put an inflammatory title to it, but we do that as bloggers too because we're trying to get people to read our pieces, you know, in the deluge of all the other media and all the other bloggers. So I did put, you know, the title as, you know, a plan for the forever loss of Adam Wainwright or whatever the title was. Because as you can see, I have moved on past the article. You know, I, I don't know that others have, but I certainly have. And in the piece, I, I did have some errors. You know, I, I mean, I put the wrong year for his Tommy John. But I also put a whole lot of the word if throughout. If this happens, if he is really done, these are the sorts of things that I would like to see the team do. And, and it's all me. It's all saying I, I, I. Uh, which is something the media doesn't do. And that's another one of those differentiations between us and the media. Uh, <clears throat> it's very rare for the media to actually write in first person. But we do as bloggers, and that's what I wrote, was a speculative piece. And then lo and behold, Adam Wainwright read it, because I did tag him when I tweeted out the link to the article. You know, I mean, I put him, my, you know, my Twitter handle, his Twitter handle, it came from Redbird Rants. I have to tell you, I wrote that article, and then I started mowing my yard. I have a pretty sizable yard. I had to stop many times because I've also listened to ball games or podcasts while I am mowing, and my phone kept going off and going off and going off because the Twitter you know, alerts, the Twitter notifications, as Wainwright had come after me. And, and, and the first time in a very, you know, I think that one was sort of the stronger of the two direct tweet when he said, you know, hey, what gives? I'm going to be out for two to three weeks. And mind you, too, the piece was written long before the actual news came out of what was to happen. Uh, and, and he says, hey, I'm only going to be out two to three weeks, and now people are claiming that my career is finished. Um, <clears throat> and that got everybody really rolling. And then, of course, he pointed out and said, you know, P.S., I had Tommy John in this year, not the year you had listed, so on, so on. Anyway, the the short end is I, we fixed the errors. We did not take down the article as some of the, some of our readers had suggested because we don't do that sort of thing. 
We don't hide from our mistakes, and that's why I wrote the follow-up. But then fast forward to tonight. Tonight during the broadcast, Adam Wainwright in the broadcast booth starts talking about how healthy he's feeling, how he's going to come back this season. And by the way, I'm, ha- I'm thrilled with that. The article was never written to be, I hope he's finished, because I don't. But he, he starts talking, and in the broadcast tonight, he starts talking about the knuckleheads in the media and that, they, that people had jumped to the conclusion that he was done. I, maybe he's not talking about me. I hope he is, because we've had some great retweets and more people following us off of that than anything. But that, that's, how's that for the story, Tito? And that's and that's great because one thing that I did whenever all this was going down um, was I went at, I went ahead and, and found a couple of things that stood out to me from Derek Gould and a couple of things that he said. Um, mind you, whenever Rosenthal went down, this is a quote. Uh, this is a tweet from him. Area of elbow with posterior irritation is the same as UCL the ligament repaired in Tommy John, also a description for an impingement. And later on when Wainwright gets hurt, he says, Cardinal starter Adam Wainwright has received treatment to alleviate soreness in his right elbow caused by an impingement that is similar to the problem he had three years ago in the same joint. The Cardinals are optimistic he'll be able to pitch again this season. So how I don't understand... How he, how I can't make the connection to Tommy John in that case. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, or and nor was Dr. Miles saying that he's going to get Tommy John. But come on, can you not? Can can nobody else connect the dots there, or is it just Dr. Miles and myself? Because when somebody says an impingement and that you know can be fixed by Tommy John. And then he goes and says that that's the same kind of thing that's happening with uh, Adam Wainwright. The first thing I'm going to think about is Tommy John. And the Cardinals' history with Tommy John, you know, everybody's going to have it. So, you mean, you might as well pencil in Matt Bowman for 2018 to go down with it. But this, everybody that is attacking the site because of a speculation piece needs to grow up. Because that is that's childish, and I'm sorry, but Josh and I talked about this in text. Wainwright's being petty. That's, he's a major league baseball player making millions of dollars, and he's going to worry about what we think? Give me a break. And, you know, I'd like to make a quick point on that. You know, would this be so much of a deal, a big deal, if he were, say, 27 not had Tommy John surgery, maybe it's a little bit more worrisome because he's older, the history is there, so there is a little bit more of a substance there. Maybe if he were, maybe if there wasn't any substance there, he'd just scoff it off and ignore it like there was nothing, there was nothing about it. But since there is, that's what may have got him riled up. And I know we're almost running out of time, but one thing we didn't even talk about uh, was the absolute loss of all velocity. That's a big sign for an injury like that. He was pitching. He was topping out. At, I, I think he had one pitch at 88. I mean, that's it's frightening lower. stuff. Lower, 85. 
Yeah, I was going to say 86. It's frightening. Yeah. Yeah, and and those are all valid points. Those were all the things that led me to that, led me to write that. And um, but hey, he gave me additional article ideas, gave Tweedo some article ideas, and got us a whole bunch of retweets. So it was you know, I, there's I, no such I, thing I'm as bad, saying, bad press. Yeah, and I'm just saying, Josh, what when you hear right elbow irritation, what do you think? Tommy John. Yeah. Yeah. Just like it's it's not like it's hear, not a. Just like when you hear forearm tightness, what do you think? Tommy John. It it, yep. it, it is not it is not an inconceivable. All right, guys, guys, I, I, I've got I've got to cut us off. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, join us again for the next episode, and and go Cardinals. Oh, okay. <laughs> <We're off>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my. God. That was good. Yeah, Thoughts on the new format. One one recommendation for the next time is we sh- we should still have an order of speaking. I oh agree. yeah, definitely. That yeah, we, we just established it. We just established it. Over. Yeah, we just established it. You know, in the five minutes or so before the show, and we just go. We just do it that way. That way, there's no. Like Josh said, no talking over. That way, it doesn't sound jumbled in the in the actual finished production. Yeah, and uh, I will I will try to find some time over the weekend to go in, and I can take out a lot of the silences that are there. I can at least clean that up. Um, but some of the stepping on of each other, I may be able to cut some of that out, and I'll I'll certainly do that. But I thought not having an agenda is kind of fun because we're just sort of tossing out what really matters to us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, agree. I think that went really well. Yeah, I did too. It felt much more organic to me because it wasn't like somebody was tossing out the idea and then waiting, sitting back and letting everybody talk about it. We were actually building off of the other person or persons, and I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Okay. It was a lot of fun. Good show, everybody. All right. Good, Good show, guys. Bye-bye. Take it easy. All right. Yep. Thanks, Bye. Mike.